Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to pray over the word of the Lord. I want to talk to you this evening a little bit about the season of Thanksgiving and ask the Lord to just touch his word to our life. I love you today and I thank you for the privilege to be here tonight and I thank you God for the opportunity not only to be in your presence to be able to share your word as well and I'm asking you this evening God to touch our mind and our heart, strengthen everyone that's in this auditorium tonight. Let our faith be what it ought to be Lord, let, our, let us set our, the compass of our heart, God, in the right direction. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. What a pleasure it was Sunday morning to be in the service and to feel the presence of the Lord. And, and uh, just to feel the atmosphere of worship, I want to thank you as a church uh, for plugging in and tapping in to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing I enjoyed the ministry, of course, of Brother Smith, and uh, what a great, uh, what a great adrenaline, uh, he spiritual adrenaline he is to the kingdom of God. He and his wife and family, and and uh, just an honor. It was just an honor to be here. So tonight, I want us to think about what we are celebrating this week in that of Thanksgiving. I don't always uh, teach or preach around a seasonal. Uh, day or something of that nature, but I just felt particularly drawn to a couple of things, and so I want to share my heart with you if I can. To be sure, the pilgrims who landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620 knew nothing of the affluent day or times that you and I live in today. They could have never dreamed in their wildest imagination where we would be today. No way could they have imagined a wonderful country and such a wonderful time in which we live. And it would be easy for us to look around and put our finger on the pulse or, or the, the thermometer of some of the heated arguments and issues of our day and complain about things that are going on around us. But if we compare this day to any other day in history, I think we would have to look around us and say, God has been very, very good to me. Amen. God has been very good to me. That's not to ignore pertinent issues that fill our headlines, our heart, or our home. But irrespective of these realities, we are a very, very blessed people. Certainly if we look back to the day that God gave birth to this upcoming national holiday, we can be ever so thankful that our forefathers had a desire for a better life and someone was looking down the road. I was thinking about the scripture just this afternoon where the the Bible talks about leaving an inheritance to our children's children. How that God was admonishing us not to just barely look into our tomorrow, but to fling as far as we can into the future 
to ensure that our children's children would have something. And I, I, I think there is a natural application to that, but I certainly believe there's a spiritual application of that, that we should ensure that our children's children have a firm foundation of which to build their lives. And so I'm thankful for someone who was looking down the road for a better life. And so the next time that we're tempted to complain about the things that are wrong or we see things that could be improved in our country or even in our personal life, we just need to remember how good the Lord has been to us. I mentioned it a moment ago, but I'm very serious that um, we have just found ourselves several times in the last few days just talking about the goodness of the Lord and how he's blessed us and and um, very uh, humble about what the Lord has done in our lives just like you. Um, one Many years ago, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances, and so I'm not saying this for sympathy or to sound as though we were being living on the reckless edge, but due to circumstances beyond our control, our electric was turned off. And uh, I didn't know it. I came home from work, and my wife had... Uh, had a candlelight dinner, <laughs> and uh, it was. I soon found out that it was more than just romance in the air, but there was just trauma in the air. But, uh, but so we've been there, and we understand what those things are all about. And uh, not only that, but how the Lord, how the Lord helped us through those situations and those seasons. And so, irrespective of where you see someone today, one thing you can almost assuredly know that everyone has drank out of both sides of the cup. Amen. Amen. And uh, But I, I was reading a little bit of history about Thanksgiving, and, and uh, it is said that William Brewster, one of the colonist leaders and a preacher at Plymouth Rock, rose from, a, from dinner that consisted of just a little more than a few clams and a cold glass of water. And he said, Thank God for the abundance of the sea and for the treasures hidden in the sand. These pilgrims didn't have much, but well, they had something really that couldn't be bought with silver and gold. They had something that would sadly be lost in time. They possessed an acute sense of gratitude to be thankful for what God had given them and brought into their lives. And I believe it was on the foundation of thankfulness and on, on the foundation of sincere gratitude that our country was built. I'm not really sure if what I'm about to share with you is historical or merely folklore, but some say that the earlier pilgrims had a custom of putting five kernels of corn upon an empty plate before a dinner of Thanksgiving was served. And it was to remind them that the first pilgrims were in such dire straits that their allowance was only five kernels of corn per day. And that's why there were more graves being dug than homes being built. Amen. It was a time of severe famine. And yet in the midst of this declining population and death all around them, that is historically found, uh, founded, they could stand and give thanks to the Lord for all he has done. I have stood in absolute um, amazement at times through the years when I have watched families, and not alone, but we have watched families that have faced seeming unsurmountable odds, but despite what they were going through, they were in the house of God. Amen. They weren't on the back row, so to speak. I know if that building is full, somebody has to be on the back row. 
But they weren't on the back row. They weren't sucking their thumb and feeling sorry for themselves. But they were plugged in to what the power and the presence of the Lord was doing in their life. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine uh, today who just within the last couple of weeks has a family in his church, um, in the church where he pastors, that many years ago the father, a, the father and one of the sons was... Um, they had some rental properties, and and uh, there was uh, a gas leak they weren't aware of, and uh, they were there working on the property, and and uh, his son was under the house. They were both, he, the son was deeper under the house than he was, and uh, he was just a little bit under the house, and they had turned on the gas not realizing that, that uh, an appliance was on, and that gas got to an open flame. And it blew that house off the foundation, severely burning uh, the son uh, over a vast majority of his body and the father as well. In time, in time, the son could not cope with uh, the horrible scars and the pain and everything that he had been through, multiple, multiple surgeries. And sadly, that young man committed suicide. I remember talking to my pastor friend when that happened and and um, he was preaching the funeral of that service and what a sad day it was. And, and the father, who just uh, had himself been so traumatized by the whole event, he also felt very guilty and responsible for his son's death. And about five years after that, he committed suicide. And uh, just a few days ago, uh, Sister Boyd and I were... Uh, were riding down the road and my pastor friend called me and he said, I just don't even know what to say. But he said, the, the lady has one other son who lives down in South Florida and uh, his life just seemed to be going well, but he committed suicide. And, uh, and so he was on his way at that time to preach that funeral. And so when we think about things like that, what are the odds? That would just be an unbelievable an unbelievable thing. I called him today. I wanted to just see how the wife and the mother, uh, this lady in their church was doing. And he said, you know, it's just been amazing to watch the hand of God in her life and how the Lord has sustained her. That's not to say that she's shouting and dancing and running, but somehow God has helped to keep her. We're so very, very, very blessed. I'm not trying to just traumatize you with stories this evening, but my wife and I are privy to a couple uh, I've talked about before. The oldest daughter was in our wedding and how she was brutally murdered at the hands of trusted friends. And several years later, that was the oldest daughter of this family and how that several years later, the youngest daughter ran away with a boyfriend and they ran down to Fort Lauderdale and somewhere in the all of the drug craze and the drinking and the things that were going on, she was brutally murdered as well. And you think about, and, and we've watched this lady, the mother's life, we've watched her life, and uh, we've been friends for many, many years, for decades, and uh, we watched her stay faithful and consistent to God. Amen. I'm going to tell you that I, when I think about things like that, and the needle doesn't have to be that far over for me to think about how good God has been. But these are just recent and relevant things that have just kind of unfolded and at least the memories of those things unfolded. And so I say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. If it means five kernels of corn 
just to remember where you've brought us from, I want to I want to say thank you to help us to never forget where the Lord has brought us. In the midst of this declining population, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of disease, they were willing to so readily stand and say, I thank you for what you've done for me. It seems that we live in a very, very different climate today. Ours is a hurry up, give it to me now, I wanted it a while ago mindset. There seems to be an overreaching, an overarching spirit of ingratitude that permeates our nation. Amen. I, I don't think I'm alone when I see that and, and sense that. I don't just see that in a church culture. I just see that in the world at large. Some people are quick to stand and talk about the injustices of our day and perhaps would speak of things that, uh, that they don't have or things that they lack when in fact they live a life that the vast majority of the entire population of the world cannot comprehend. We are a very blessed people. In truth, we have so much to be thankful for. There's a very simple yet profound song lyric that seems to summarize well the state of our lives. And today, while I was preparing for this message tonight, I couldn't help but to slip into the living room and pick up my guitar and sing just a few lines of this song there's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. God has been so good. God has been so good. We may not have much by the standards of some people in this world, but I want to live a life of thanksgiving for the blessings of the Lord in my life. Not only do I believe that we have so much to be thankful for, but I believe that living a life of thanksgiving is the absolute will of God. The book of 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, the Bible says it's a, a passage of Scripture readily recognized by many. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're just a couple of days away, mere hours in many senses away from Thanksgiving. A day set aside for us as a nation to give thanks to the Lord. Nothing significant happened on the fourth day or the fourth Thursday of November that affected us as a nation. It's not a day that our nation won a great battle or suffered a great loss like September the 11th of 2001. There's no special groups of people that are recognized like mothers or fathers or laborers or veterans. But November is noted as a day of celebrating something very significant and that is Thanksgiving. Some get in their cars. It's the most highly traveled uh, day in the U.S. as far as a national holiday is concerned. And so some travel in their cars hours upon hours together with their friends and family. Old recipes are dug out from those family tradition specialties and it may be the only time of the year that that particular dish is cooked. Fine china and silverware only used for special occasions will be brought out on Thursday. Countless trips perhaps have already been made or yet to be made to the grocery store and tomorrow night will be a busy time of cooking. It, it is estimated that in America alone that 46 million turkeys will be consumed and that 50 million pumpkin pies 
will be consumed. I'm glad I'm not a turkey. I'm glad I'm not a pumpkin. So we've got those two things to be thankful for. In most cases, after all of this effort, after all the money is spent, all the miles are traveled, the meal will last somewhere on average of about 45 minutes to an hour. The next dilemma will be deciding on what in the world are we going to do with all these leftovers. And so we have turkey everything after Thanksgiving. Turkey sandwiches, turkey salad. Sometimes five or six days in, it's just mystery meat. You don't know what you're having, just sit down. we got to get it over with. Amen. It's a great time to be together. It's probably one of my favorite times of the year. It's a day that President Abraham Lincoln instituted as a day of thanksgiving. And if I could impose on you for just a moment, I want to read this official declaration. I find it moving every time I read it, and I hope I can do it justice. It's historically referred to as Lincoln's 1863 Thanksgiving Proclamation. <coughs> In it, he says this, It is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scripture and proven by all history, that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. We know that by His divine law, nations, like individuals, are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world. May we not just, justly fear that awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our nation reformation as a whole people. We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved by many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined the deceitfulness of our hearts, that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. We have become too proud to pray to the God that made us. It has seemed to me fit and proper that God should solemnly, reverently, and gratefully be acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent, beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Abraham Lincoln, October the 3rd, 1863. Can you imagine if Abraham Lincoln in 1863 thought that we as a nation had forgotten God? What would he write today? Amen. What would he write today? Amen. This was not a preacher. This was not an evangelist, a missionary. 
But this was the United States president trying to call a nation back to an altar of thanksgiving. I have no desire whatsoever to take away from the meaning of this national holiday where friends and family will gather around a table and where we're going to enjoy, if God's be willing, a fabulous meal. Yet I do want to point out that not all tables are going to be centered around giving thanks to God and His abundant blessing. Here's what I've discovered in life among many things, and that is that you have some people that are grateful for everything and some who are grateful for nothing. And so the question that we have to answer and the question that presses into our spirit tonight is which person am I? Am I the man that is grateful for all things in life or am I the person that is grateful for nothing in life? It's amazing how differently some people react or maybe how some people respond to similar experiences or circumstances. You know, we watch some people in a traffic jam and, and some people are just, you know, they just realize it is what it is and that we'll get through this after a while. Um, coming home from General Conference, my wife and I uh, were, it was the absolute worst travel day we've ever experienced in all of our years of travel. Uh, we had about a, a six or seven additional hours of travel added. Many of those were just sitting dead still in traffic. There were horrendous accidents. Two of them, two of them had fatalities, and and the interstate was locked down. We were just in between exits. There was nothing to do, and you just understand how some people just make the best of a bad situation and get out, sit on the tailgate, and some people are just talking to others and striking up friendships. And uh, then other people are just completely the opposite of that, frantic, trying to, uh, you know, they're so special, somebody needs to jet in there and get them out, you know. You've met those people. Amen. It's amazing how people respond to those very similar circumstances and yet respond so differently. Amen. And uh, a, a few moments ago I read in Thessalonians 5 and 18, but Paul penned some indelible words there, in everything give thanks. This, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything. The will of God in this passage is crystal clear, the will of God. Twenty-three times in the scripture we find that phrase, the will of God. Twenty-three times that phrase is mentioned, but only one time is that phrase defined, and that's right here. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so what is the will of God? It is the will of God for us to give thanks, not because of everything that happens, but, but Paul said, in all things. Paul's not being absurd and being superhuman or in some way twisted in his or demented in his thinking, but he said, in, in everything you can give thanks. If we're complaining, we're outside of the will of God. Now, I understand that all of us are human and there are times that we just need to discharge our feelings. Anybody here ever discharged your feelings? We need to discharge our feelings. But complaining, and please hear me, complaining can become a spiritual matter. You can start complaining and after a while that will bleed over into every aspect of your life. And once that once that river begins to flow in your life, you've got to do something radical to stop that or it will circumvent relationships in your life. 
It will circumvent certainly your relationship with God where no one can get it right. It just doesn't matter. And, and um, it, it can be a very detri detrimental thing. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament doesn't refer to it as complaining. The Old Testament refers to it as murmuring. But it's the same thing. And so if you just look up the word murmuring in the Old Testament and then read those passages of Scripture where murmuring is associated and look at the judgment of God upon people for murmuring. Amen. So it's a very, it's a very, can be a very significant uh, spiritual thing and issue in our life. It's a spiritual attitude that got a hold of the children of Israel, and it got them in more trouble with God than anything else. It got them in more trouble with God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, he said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, obedient, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying, their, denying the power thereof. And then Paul, this admonition, four words, from such turn away. From such, put some distance between you. From such, you need to disconnect yourself. Amen. I read that passage of Scripture because it is an ideal snapshot of the world in which we live today. It is the current mindset of the world. We are living in a generation of ingratitude. In the second verse, among all the things that were listed Paul used the word unthankful. It's listed among a host of other things that are unpleasing to the Lord. Amen. So in everything we should give thanks because that is the will of God. And being unthankful, being unthankful is unpleasing to God. Amen. So we should be that change maker. We have the ability, I believe with all of my heart, to change the atmosphere when we walk in a room. Amen. I'm not talking about with a bold announcement that we're here, but I believe that there is something in our heart that can change the atmosphere, and that something is the power of God that can change the atmosphere, whether we're home or on our job or in a place of business. Amen. If we're going to be different, then we can't take the path that everybody else is taking. Amen. we got to catch negative talk before it ever leaves our mouth. If we don't catch it before it leaves our mouth, we need to stop it in midair, apologize to those who heard it, correct it as best we can, and say, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. And we must, we must, because negative talk and negative things and cynicism can just destroy all things around us. Psalms 100 gives... And absolute instructions on giving thanks. Psalms 100 is referred to as the psalm of praise. So David says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving 
and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. To read Psalms 100. And the promises that are brought to us in this wonderful passage, amen, that God is a God that is worthy of our praise. Amen. I believe, and you, if you've been around very long, you understand. If you haven't, I'll go ahead and say it tonight. I believe, say it again tonight, that I believe that our praise and our worship, it should be something that is biblically founded, biblically substantiated. Amen. The Bible talks about leaping for joy so we can justify that in Scripture. Clap your hands, O you people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Amen. There are many things in Scripture that, that uh, validate the, the manner of praise that we should offer unto the Lord. Amen. I know sometimes people get excited and do things that may not be scriptural and that may be all right for one time or one, one kind of thing. But after a while, I believe that we need to be able to open the word of God and validate the manner of our praise. And some, when somebody asks us, why are we lifting our hands when we, when we worship the Lord? We ought to be able to turn to scripture and, and talk about lifting holy hands in the sanctuary of the Lord. And when we clap our hands and when we lift our voice and when we do various things of praise, it should be in line with the word of God. It should be in line with the scripture. Amen. I, I believe that there should be a sense of gratitude and there should be a, an overwhelming sense of thankfulness in our mind, in our heart when we come to the house of God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the atmosphere of this church. I really am thankful for the atmosphere of pray, prayer, the atmosphere of praise, the atmosphere of worship. Our daily response to the Lord should be a reaction of thankfulness and gratitude. He is the Lord of my life. Let me say it this way. He's the Lord of our life, so we ought to give Him thanks. He is our shield and our protector, and because of that, we ought to give Him thanks. He is our provider he is our only provider, and so in that we give him thanks. Most of all, he's our Savior, and he is a personal Savior because he came right to where each and every one of us were. Amen. He met us at our point of need, and I am very thankful for that. And so praise and thanksgiving shouldn't just be something we do publicly. It shouldn't be something that we just do when we are corporately gathered but I believe that praise and thanksgiving ought to be a lifestyle. You ever been around people that just for no reason at all say, well, praise the Lord. They didn't say it loud enough to shock everybody around them. Amen. I'm, I'm encouraged when I'm around people that have a mindset and an attitude of praise who, are, who just constantly have a song on their heart. Amen. If they're not singing, they're humming or they're whistling. There's something in their heart that's joyous. Amen. There's a wellspring of something that can't be hidden. It can't be covered up. Amen. So thanksgiving and praise and gratitude ought to be a lifestyle. So this thanksgiving and every day should be a day, amen, that's filled with thanks. Not just one day, not one meal, not just one time when we gather, but we ought to give God thanks and praise even in the midst of frustration even in the midst of struggles. Amen. We can't let the troubles of life get our focus off of the good things that God has done in our life. I promise you, as trite as this may sound, 
if you get out a pencil, pencil and a piece of paper and you just start writing down the things that God has done for you, it won't be long. You'll have to put that pen down. Amen. And you, that writing will have to give way to praise, to say, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for all that you have done in our lives. Regardless of our current circumstances, we have so much to be thankful for. I mentioned a moment ago, there's unfinished business in all of our lives. There's unfinished prayers. There's promises that haven't quite been fulfilled. I don't think God has forgotten them. Amen. We're just in the pipeline. God has, it hasn't been, it's not time. There's a difference between the calling of God, the timing of God. But I believe that those things are coming. Amen. So in, in my current circumstances, even though there's unfinished business, I want to say, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Amen. Thanksgiving is, it should be at least a voluntary expression of gratitude, something that just comes from our heart. I'm thankful for, uh, to, I was, I'm thankful to have been raised in a culture that taught me to say thank you. It taught what we call manners. And uh, it's very, uh, it's very gratifying to deal with people who have, who are mannerly and who have a sense of appreciation. But those things should just come from our heart. Amen. They should just come from our heart. And so when we begin to think about what God has done, when we think about His goodness, His mercy, and His blessings, it's not hard to say, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. I want to close in, in uh, just a few comments here, and you can just stay where you are if you'd like, But um, to our musicians. But I want to take just a few moments and and merely underline a few things that I understand we already know. But I'm thankful that, that we serve a God who is a God of right now. I, I'm thankful that my relationship with God and my access to God for our particular church is not just relegated to Sunday or Wednesday or whatever other schedule may be. I'm thankful that God is, that I'm not relegated to a high priest, that I have to go to him. Amen. He has to go to God on my behalf. I'm not, I'm not trying to be trivial tonight or uh, at all. I'm just telling you that I'm thankful that I can call on God right now. Sometimes I need him and it's not Wednesday. I need him and it's not Sunday. I need him. It's in the middle of the night. Amen, I need God, but I need him as desperately in that moment as I would ever need him in my life. And so I'm thankful that he is a God of right now, right now. Amen, I'm glad that I am serving a God that is a God of more than enough. More than enough. I've often uh, talked about this through the years. My grandmother Boyd is where I saw this maybe exemplified more than in any other. Uh, and I'm sure it had to do with a particular season of our life that we live right next door to them. My mother would send me over to get an egg or a cup of sugar or something that we were running a little short on. And my grandmother Boyd would never just send you home with what she asked for. Never. If it was one egg, she sent you home with two. If it was one cup of sugar, she sent you home with more than just one cup of sugar. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that mindset of people that says, I want to give you more than you asked for. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, if a man compel you to go with you one mile, go with him twain. 
Amen. The word twain there refers to two miles, but it wasn't the two-mile mark. That wasn't the point of all at all. Amen. If somebody compels you to go further, go further. Amen. Go further. Amen. More, I'm glad to serve a God who's more than enough. I don't have to worry about having to shake the nozzle and wonder if God is going to be able to answer this prayer. I don't have to wonder if God is going to be able to sufficiently take care of the need. But God always goes above and beyond anything we can ever think or imagine. I'm glad that I'm serving a God who the scripture says is a very present help in the time of trouble. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight, I believe that I'm looking at people that have been in trouble and have needed a very present God. Amen. God, we need you right now. Amen. And the presence of God came in that instant, in that moment, and ministered to our need and met us at that point of need. I'm glad that I am serving a God that can stand by me in the darkest hours and whisper, have no fear, for I am with you. I have the peace and the consolation of knowing that I am not alone, but the power and the presence of God is with me. I love to read Psalms 91. There's nothing about that psalm that is not intriguing to me. But when I read that God has given his angels charge over me, amen, lest I dash my foot against a stone, they would be there to bear me up. I'm not trying to sound silly at all, but it just kind of, when I read that, I just kind of want to look around to see if I can get a glimpse of that angel that has been given (coughs) charge over me to know that they're watching should we just dash our foot against a stone. And so I want to give thanks and bless his holy name. I want to understand this, that if I, am, if I have been forgiven, it's because he is the forgiver. Amen. If I have been forgiven, and if you have been forgiven, and we have, it's because he is the forgiver. And if our sins have been washed away, and they have, it's because of his blood. It's nothing that man could do. Because I'll promise you this, if man can do it, man can undo it. If man can give it, man can take it away. And there's an old, old song that says, I've got something that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. And so whatever we would consider to be the value of a soul, I don't know how we could ever put a price tag, but if I could just for the sake of an illustration tell you tonight that whatever we would, whatever value we could place upon your soul and mine, he paid that price. Amen. Everything we are and everything that we have, it is because of him. And so in everything, Paul said, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <coughs> Not to minimize some of the deep valleys that all of us have walked through, but in truth, we wouldn't have to walk very far to realize that others have it far worse than we. Amen. Let's stand. (coughs) You wouldn't have to walk very far down a hospital corridor to understand that we are truly blessed. Amen. I'm not talking about something you could do next Tuesday afternoon if you got... Thank you.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.